0: As Emily, I'll be reading from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear that the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God.
1: Good morning, wouldn't that be nice to be still and know that God is God and He's got this, whatever this is for you, wouldn't that be nice? My name's Adrian and I'm one of the pastors here at Carnegie Free. If you're new here today, we extend a special welcome to you. We're so grateful that you chose to worship with us today. We are, uh, in 2018, basically taking almost the whole year to go through the Bible. And our sermon series throughout most of the year is called God's Story, Our Story, in which we're surveying the whole of the Scriptures in about 41 weeks. But in between, at a couple different times, we're going to have four- and five-week sermon series and today we start one of those titled tuned in hearing the voice of God and so if you're new here today you came on a great day if you're regular here today you came on a great day we're entering this new series and we'll pick back up in God's story our story in just four weeks but for these four Sundays we're going to seek to tune ourselves a little bit more to the voice of God we've been surveying What we're going to do here for these weeks is soak, soak in just a handful of choice scriptures related to how we might also hear from our good God that we sang of this morning. I think we all long to hear from the voices that matter most in our lives. We long to hear their voices, we long to know they love us, and most of us wish to hear from our Maker We would assume that if the maker has a voice, it would be pretty important, and yet if we're honest, most of us would admit that we struggle hearing the voice of our maker, and that can be frustrating for us. And so what we're going to do in these four weeks is look to the most authoritative source that we have, which is the Holy Scriptures, look to the Bible, and in the process today, we'll get the... The thing started with 1 Kings 19. And you can turn there with me now. We'll open up to 1 Kings 19 a little bit later in the service. But, but today just kind of sets the stage. And if you use the YouVersion app, you can do that on your phone. If you have a Bible with you and you don't know where First Kings 19 is, God gave us a table of contents and we're thankful for that. But that's today. Next Sunday is going to be Tuning in to the voice of God through the words of God, through the scriptures, and through Jesus, who is the reflection of God. You look at Jesus, and you know what God is like. The following week, it's tuning in to the voice of God through community, and even through our God-given desires. And then the final Sunday is going to be not just hearing the words of God, but doing the words of God because those need to be intricately connected. You're going to want to be here for all four of these weeks of the series to get a sense of how we can grow in an understanding of the still quiet whisper of our Lord. You know, even in our increasingly secular, increasingly postmodern, 2018 American context, people still pray. Did you know that? I've looked at a couple studies here these past, uh, these past weeks. And one was a Barna study, study done in 2019. Another one was a Newsweek study. And they indicate 80%, 79% of Americans still pray on a regular basis. There is this, New this Newsweek study that indicates 57%, 57% of Americans pray at least once a day. And of those 80% that pray on a regular basis, uh, 20% of atheists and agnostics continue to pray. It's a little bit of a head scratcher, but they do. Okay, there's a longing to pray. There's a longing that perhaps there would be a God somewhere, a maker, who I could tune into and he would hear my voice. People of all races pray, men and women alike, people of all generations still pray in the United States. We are a very diverse people in the way that we pray. 50% of Americans say they pray to Jesus. But many others pray to a higher power or to the divine power within myself or to the universe, to the saints, or to Allah. But across the world, and certainly across our great land, when people pray, they hope that at least from time to time, they'll hear something back. Anyone else? Anyone else? I think we would be honest that when we pray, We hope that perhaps every once in a while we'll hear something back from God. Now, we're usually not sure what that would look like or more precisely how it would sound. And if we're honest again, that gets kind of frustrating for us to not know what it looks like, to not know what it sounds like. And even so, you enter into this someone that you might know who claims to speak to God on a regular basis and they say God speaks to them in a really clear, audible voice on a regular basis and that feels kind of confounding to us and perhaps even a little bit alien to some of us in the room today. Comedian Lily Tomlin, I think, gets it poignantly right when she asks, why is it that when we speak to God, we are said to be praying, but when God speaks to us, we are said to be schizophrenic? I mean, it's just a psychological tangle when we talk about this subject that God could could speak to me, even me. There are theological and psychological obstacles when we engage this topic. Let's just state that at the outset. And there's a variety of different opinions, a variety of different theological beliefs out there related to this topic. So let me just begin here this series with noting a couple, actually three of the common problems related to this issue of tuning in to the voice of God. Here's one of them that I've noticed quite frequently. Some people speak very casually of hearing from God almost every day. You know someone like that? They speak of hearing God's voice almost every day, and it's almost this casual, glib conversation that they talk about, that that they they hear God in this really incredible way. They hear the voice of God, and you should too. The problem with that, I think, at least speaking that way, is it tends to cheapen the holiness of the voice of God. You know what happens in Scripture when someone hears from God? They fall on their face. (laughs) It's not a cheap moment. They fall to their knees or they cover their face, you get the sense it's a holy, set-apart, unique moment that's not to be treated in any kind of glib manner. Moreover, when someone speaks to you about how they oftentimes hear from God, I heard this from God, I heard that from God, how does that make you feel? For a lot of us, it makes us feel like, well, why don't I hear from God that way? You know, what am I, a second-class second Christian or something? Like, Does my relationship with God matter a little bit less than this person's relationship with God even though I am nonetheless devoted to God as that person is? I want to encourage you not to speak glibly about this subject, not to speak casually about this because sometimes when Christians do that, it unintentionally makes other people feel like second-class Christians. Moreover, You get into this weird situation sometimes that becomes almost manipulative where someone will say, you know, God told me something that he wants you to know about. (laughs) Like when the husband elbows his wife during the sermon. That's for you, honey. Be careful about that stuff. For the sake of your marriage. Be careful about that stuff, because if we believe in an omnipotent God, as we say, an all-powerful God, couldn't He talk to you all by yourself? That He wouldn't need another person to be a mediator for Him? At least that's what I believe. The problem with these folks is sometimes they focus too much on feelings and not enough on the objective truth, the revealed objective truth of the Scriptures. Not always, but that's sometimes the case. Now, on the other side, another problem as we talk about this subject of tuning into God is that some people speak stoically of never hearing from God. And it's not just that they say they've never heard from God. Some of us feel like we've never had a whisper from God. That's fine. But they say with that, that you never can either. Almost like it's impossible for it to happen. That God one time spoke that way in the Scriptures, but today He only gives us the Scriptures And that's that. And so if you claim to have heard a whisper from the Lord or got a specific guidance from the Lord on something that you've been struggling with, well, you shouldn't trust that subjective impression at all because he doesn't do it that way anymore. At least that's how the argument goes. Now, the problem with that, of course, is it ignores that if God were to ever answer a prayer, wouldn't we have a subjective impression of that answer? If God was to ever answer a prayer that we ask for wisdom, for example, and then we found wisdom that we didn't have before, even that is a feeling-based subjective impression, and I trust that God could give that to us in his kindness and in his grace. Moreover, the problem with this argument is that it belittles the very words of Jesus. Look at John 10, 3 and up here on the screen. Jesus says this about his relationship well with us. The sheep listen to his voice. Who are the sheep? It's us. Compliment given to you here on Sunday morning. Nah, that's you, that's me. We're sheep, we're sheep, okay? Yeah, I can do that again for you. The sheep listen to the shepherd's voice. They hear the shepherd's voice. Jesus is the good shepherd, and he can communicate with us. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him. Why? They know his voice. They know his voice. Okay, how special is that? that God would whisper to us from time to time and we would be able to distinguish, this is the voice of the Lord as opposed to my own internal monologue. This is the voice of the Lord as opposed to the voice of the enemy. Uh, I don't know if you outline your Bible, but if you do, I'd go to that passage and the rest of John chapter 10 and read that carefully and highlight those words. The sheep get to hear the shepherd's good voice. If the problem with the first group is they, they casually speak of the voice of God and they're too focused on feelings, the problem with the second group is perhaps they're not focused on feelings enough. God speaks to us through His Word, but also He can answer our prayer and He can give us a still, quiet voice. Here's a third problem that I think applies to all of us. Most of us have such noisy lives. We live such noisy lives that we could not hear the still quiet whisper of God even if we tried. I see some heads nodding here. Our lives are so noisy. We have so much stimulation coming into us all the time, visually, auditorily, certainly from so many different outlets that It's like constant busyness, constant shouting, constant yelling, that we never still our hearts, still our minds enough, at least many of us, that we would be able to hear the voice of God, if he chose to whisper to us. We'll return to that in just a moment, but let me share a couple solutions to these three problems. This first solution addresses the first two problems, and it goes like this. We need to cast a clear vision of what God is after for you and me. And the clear vision is that the primary goal is not just to hear the voice of God, but to be mature people in a loving relationship with him. The primary goal that God has for us is not that we would have these subjective impressions of him, it's that you and I would enter into this deep, loving relationship with him, and we would interact with him, we have a sense of communion with him, and it would be this long obedience in the same direction of getting to know Christ deeply. That's the primary goal. And out of that, we would grow up into oak trees. Out of that, we would grow up into maturity. Because we're not constantly demanding a sign. Jesus had some things to say about that, didn't he? We're not constantly demanding a sign. Rather, we understand that eternal life is this, to know our God and Father and to know Jesus Christ, whom he sent, John 17, 3. And the steadfast love of the Lord, Psalm 63 says, the steadfast love of the Lord is better than life. So get this into us, though, that as we understand how much God has done for us, as we understand how much he has given to us, how great his character is as the great I am, as we understand that he created us, that he redeems us, that he gave his son to die for us, that he gives us the Holy Spirit, that he's the all-powerful, all-loving God, that he sees us as we are, and yet he still lives, as we understand those things, we recognize, oh, I got all that I need in Christ Jesus, my Lord. That's where it begins, and that's what God is leading us toward, is a mature, deeper faith that's based in that gospel, not a constant cleaving. Give me another sign. Give me another miracle. Why don't you give me another voice to lead me? No, what we want instead is something like this. We don't reach up for miracles. We reach up for God. And every once in a while, a miracle might follow God. We don't even long for a still, quiet voice for every problem that we have. We long for God. And then occasionally, that still, quiet voice of God will follow Him. We Don't even strive, I pray you have ears to hear today, we don't even strive for the feeling of inner peace. We strive for Jesus. We strive for God. We strive to meet with him. And then the feeling of inner peace will follow. Friends, if you get first things first, you will also get second things second. If you transpose these and you put these second things into first place, you will get neither. His steadfast love is better than life. 95% of God's will for us is summarized in this long obedience in the same direction of loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Loving others as ourselves. The first and second commandment, the greatest commandment are these. And then from that, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations, to all neighborhoods, to all communities, to all families. Teaching them and baptizing them in the name of Christ, and I am with you always to the very end of the age. If we just do these two things, live out the great commandment and then live out the great commission, baptizing people who have made a decision for Christ, you're all invited to that. If you made a decision for Christ and you haven't been baptized yet, come to baptism class tonight and you can get baptized next Sunday. This is part of the great commission of God, and if we simply follow these two, that's the long obedience Toward maturity, toward maturity, and toward a loving relationship that God has for all of us. Now, even so, there's probably another 5% of the Christian life that really does matter. And I'm going to talk about that in the remainder of this series. Because God invites us to communion with Him, which will at times include communication with Him. I, for one, can't make much sense of a personal relationship outside of two-way communication. Can you? We talk about a personal relationship with God. And so we're going to talk about speaking to God and learning to listen from God. This is the vision. It begins with this ongoing quest for maturity through a long obedience in the same direction And it leads to occasionally having these times of communion with God in which we might even hear his still quiet whisper. Now, here's the second solution, and this is really a challenge for all of us. We need to challenge ourselves to be still and know that God is God on a daily basis. To be still in the presence of God on a daily basis as part of our regular routine of life. I wonder if I could maybe get a college student or a high school student who could, t- who could define for the rest of us in the room this acronym FOMO. Anyone? Say it again. Fear of missing out, I heard someone say. Fear of missing out. Now, I picked on high school and college students, but truthfully, let me tell you all, it's every generation today. Every generation today has this fear of missing out that there's so much going on all around me. I mean, I got Netflix streaming on demand 24 hours a day, eight days a week. And we got all kinds of these wonderful cable news shows, I mean, gossip channels. And we got all kinds of social media, we got Instagram, we got Twitter, we got Snapchat, I'm sure I'm missing some. And we got new vacations every weekend. And we fear, perhaps, we will miss out on something really special. But here's the deal. As we fear missing out on all of that, we may be up on all that's happening in this world, but we are down on what God wants to speak to you and me. That's the danger. We're going to choose one or the other, at least to some degree. Am I going to miss out on some things in the constant gossip mill on social media Or am I going to miss out on the still, quiet voice of God? Those are the options. Perhaps a couple quotes will help us with this. Blaise Pascal, a famous mathematician and philosopher, said this, and mind you, this quote comes from the 1600s. He says, all unhappiness of man arises from one single fact, that they cannot stay quietly in their own room. Ooh. All unhappiness of men and women arises from this single fact we're unable to stay quietly in our own souls where God would meet the real Adrian right here. Uh, So, because I'm unwilling to stay quietly there, I need to look for hundreds of different diversions that might give immediate gratification as opposed to creating this discipline For being still in the presence of God. Why? It's in part because we get addicted to constant gratification, constant fun, we get addicted to that, but also because of this fear that maybe I'll miss out on something. Listen to this quote from Henry Nouwen He says, Without solitude, it is virtually impossible to even live a spiritual life. We do not take the spiritual life seriously. If we do not set aside some time to be with God and to listen to him. So let me ask again, have you ever been so up on all that is happening in your world and simultaneously down on what God might want to speak to you? If that's so, perhaps this is a good time to go through a cleanse where you say, I'm going to go through a media fast. I don't take in any media, maybe for a week or two weeks or a month. I've heard from a number of people in this church that since our sermon series this past October, Discipleship in the Digital Age, many of you have ejected from your social media accounts for a month at a time. Did you really miss out on that much? You didn't actually miss out on that much, but what might have happened is you got a soul cleanse that reoriented your heart toward what really matters. And I I just want to encourage in the kindest way that I possibly can as your pastor If you are in a spot today where you have plenty of time for Twitter and Facebook and Instagram but you cannot seem to find time for God, eliminate it for a season until you can regain the discipline of perhaps having both. We need to challenge ourselves to be still with God on a daily basis. This is one of the most important things for contemporary discipleship in the Christian's life. Now, I'd recommend starting just with maybe 15 minutes in the morning. Perhaps your best time of the day is the evening, and that's fine, or lunchtime. Take 15, 20 minutes, three or four days a week that you just choose. During this time, I'm going to be still and know that God is God. And then perhaps it could increase to 30 minutes And maybe on your Sabbath, whatever day you practice Sabbath, for many of us it's going to be Sunday, for me it's Saturday, use that day to go on a walk. Use that day to take a longer time of prayer and devotion and reading. And you ask the Lord, is there something that you want to speak to me? As I silence out the other noises, all the yelling in this world, can I be still with you and learn from you? Now, that was a very long introduction. I better get going here. Would you turn with me to 1 Kings 19? Okay, that's a a really critical solution, and we're going to see here from Elijah as he interacts with God how God specifically guides him to be still and hear his voice. This is just one example, but I think it's part of Scripture's recommendation for you and me. 1 Kings 19 goes like this. Verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life, Elijah, like that of one of them. So quick note of context here. In the previous episode, there's this battle between Elijah, this great prophet of God, and these other prophets of Baal. And Elijah's God wins. (laughs) He wins. And the prophets of Baal are destroyed in this moment. And Ahab is the king of Israel, but he's no longer worshiping the God of Israel. Instead, he's worshiping Baal and Ashtoreth. And he marries this woman named Jezebel who's helping him with that. And she has all the power to kill Elijah. And she says, I'm going to do it. Before this day comes to an end, I'm going to take your life, Elijah. Then verse 3 Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. Notice the raw honesty of Elijah throughout this passage. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat, Elijah. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and he drank, and then he lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, and he touched him, and he said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave, and he spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. I'm all alone. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant and torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. I'm alone. I'm alone out here all by myself, God. And you're not doing anything. I'm alone. And God says to him in verse 18, first he meets with them, He gets experience with the presence of God, and God says to him, yet I reserve, Elijah, you're wrong, you're not alone. I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal. You are not alone. Now, how did Elijah hear all of this? Perhaps he heard an audible voice of God for a portion of this. That's possible, but I think it's really important for us to note here that there's a number of meteorological tragedies that occur, and God's not in any one of them. You ever been around those Christians who hear, oh, there's a hurricane, this is God's judgment against that land, You you ever heard that? Be real careful about that stuff. You just don't know, you just don't know. And when you say that, you look silly. We look silly as Christians when we say that kind of thing. What we should do is just be compassionate, be merciful. Instead, what this says is there was an earthquake, and God wasn't in that. And then there was a fire, and God wasn't in that. And then there was the Nebraska wind, and Lord knows God wasn't in that. And then finally, there was a still, quiet voice, and God was in that. The King James Version calls it a still, small voice. The New International Version calls it a gentle whisper. The New American Standard calls it a gentle blowing. The original Hebrew manuscripts calls it demama. That's the word in Hebrew, demama. And demama means calm or whisper or silence. You can remember it like this. Damama wants some silence around the house. The mama, give me some silence, right? Okay, so it goes like this. God wasn't in all of these signs, but he was in the still, quiet hush. And Elijah met him there. And he covers his face with his cloak. I've never heard the audible voice of God myself Perhaps some of you have. I believe God could do that, absolutely. I haven't, in case you're wondering. Uh, That hasn't been my experience. But I have heard an impression. I've sensed in my soul, Adrian, go this way, not that way. I've sensed in my soul, Adrian, you are forgiven for that sin. A conviction that what you have done is wrong, Adrian. You are still not condemned. You are still my beloved. I've sensed those kinds of things in my soul at certain times. And I believe they've been the still quiet whisper of God. Why does God speak in a whisper? I love the way Mark Batterson puts it in his book titled Whisper. He's a pastor in Washington, D.C. He says, no form of communication is more intimate than a whisper. And it seems to be God's preferred method. The question is why? When someone speaks in a whisper, you have to get very close to hear them. We lean forward to hear a whisper, and that's just what God wants. The goal of hearing the Heavenly Father's voice isn't just hearing His voice. It's intimacy with Him. The goal of hearing His voice is not just hearing His voice. It's intimacy with Him. So from time to time, I will give a little whisper across the room to one of my boys. Elijah, come here. Silas, come here. And I say something, it might just be muffled mumbles, so they get a little bit closer, and they get a little bit closer, and they're not sure what I say, and then they come to me, and I might have a secret for them, or I might not, (laughs) but they come to me, and I, I tickle them or I hug them, and I kiss them on the head. And they get the message. Do you see? This is the intimate whisper of God to us. Unless we still the noise and the yelling of this world, we won't get that still quiet whisper of God. I'd like to share just a little bit of how I practice this on a daily basis or at least several times a week. But before I give you my how, and you might have your own and that's just fine, I, I just want to speak to, uh, to those in the room who may not yet be Christians here today. I recognize most of what I've said here applies specifically toward Christians, but this is God's invitation for all of us. He wants every person in here to be able to hear His voice But the prerequisite to being able to hear God's authentic voice and not just your own monologue or the voice of the enemy, the prerequisite of that is opening the door of your soul to him and trusting in him through Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's the prerequisite. You see, God is always and everywhere present. As Tim Cargis prayed earlier, he is the great I am, the one who was and is and is to come. He's always and everywhere present. He's here with us in this room right now. I believe that. As much as you're sitting down in the seats, I believe God is here with us in this room right at this moment. He's always and everywhere present. His spirit is living and active, but there is one place that he does not dwell unless he is invited in, and it's the soul of the human heart. And so if you're in a place yet today that you haven't bowed your knee to Christ or you've been away from him for a long, long, long time or you've been buying time off someone else's faith, it begins with this. Jesus says, Revelation 3.20, I stand at the door of your soul and I knock. And if anyone opens that door and lets me in, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. And that begins with a moment of trust and surrender. I trust in you, God, by what you did on the cross for me. You would redeem even me. Yes, he would redeem even you. You Simply acknowledge that you want him as your Savior and as your Lord. Let us know if you're ready to make that decision. Don't want to pressure anyone. But that's where it begins. And then from there, we can all have this opportunity to begin to hear the voice of God. Let me suggest just these three words on your outline for how I do this, again, on a regular basis. It's honesty, place, and time. The first word is so vital, I need to come to God honestly as I am, with my sins, with my warts and my foibles, with my frustrations that I might have with God. Here's the definition of prayer that you'll see up on the screen. Prayer is the real you having a real conversation with a very real God. Let me say that again. It's the real you having a very real conversation with a very real God. We're not praying to a fairy tale. We're not praying to a myth. We're praying to a very real God who is available to us. He turns his ear to us. Our prayers do not hit the ceiling and fall back to our feet. He listens and tunes himself to us. And we come to him with our confessions. We come to him with our petitions, our requests. We come to him with uh, thanksgiving and praise and admitting our sins. And also just by listening and weeping, but always by being honest. Verse 10 here in the passage, though, that we just read Elijah says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. I am the only one left and now they are trying to kill me too. Is that not honest? What's he saying? He's saying, God, where have you been? He's kind of ticked off at God, if I might say so. He's frustrated. I'm the only one. I'm left alone on an island here. Now, he turned out to be wrong, but God didn't discipline him for his honesty. You can be honest with God. God's response here is, Go find a place to go meet with me. First Elijah is honest, then he directs him to a place. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. There's something very significant about this. That oftentimes in the scriptures, when you see someone have a holy meeting with God, they've gone to a place that's unique. A riverbed, a lake, a wilderness, a mountain, a mountain to still the noise of life and be able to hear the voice of God. And so you might do that on an occasional retreat for a half day. Go down to Fort Carney or go down to the, the river, whatever it is for you that you particularly enjoy to meet with God. But on a regular basis, several days a week, you need to find a time. It's honesty, it's a place, and it's a time. In our old house, we used to have a place that was called a prayer closet. Jesus says there's a place called a prayer closet. What's that? A prayer closet is just a sacred place to meet with God. We want to increase the frequency and duration of our holy moments with God. And so you have a, a prayer closet, a place to go meet with God. Our old home was very, very small with a very large laundry room. Interesting architecture. And so we divided that laundry room so you'd have the laundry going on one side and on the other side of the divider we'd have a little prayer closet. And in that prayer closet well we would sit far from time to time actually several days a week and the boys understood, I understood that if Susie was down there on those cushions with her Bible out she was meeting with God and not to be interrupted. That's a sacred place for, for her to meet with God and so it was for me as well. Now we don't have such a prayer closet in our house here in Kearney but what we do have is a prayer chair and this is our prayer chair and so what we do is we go to this place and whenever either of us sit down in this spot that's our meeting place that's our meeting time to be alone with God and the truth is friends if you don't schedule it in it won't happen We schedule in what matters to us. And so it's finding a time. Again, start with three days a week, 15 minutes, those three days that you get aside to be alone with the one who is God in a place and in a specific time. And so for me, this is how it looks. I'll go to this prayer chair and schedule in a half an hour and I'll typically start just by breathing five or six times. Because there's so much noise in my soul. Way too many news stories. Way too much gossip. And I repeat, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that God is God. And I might go to 1 Samuel 3, 9. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Here I am. I delight to attend to you, God. And maybe in those moments I'll go to a passage that's particularly familiar to me and well-loved, like Psalm 23 or Psalm 1 or Psalm 139 or John 15, whatever it might be for you, and I'll read a short passage of Scripture very slowly, and I'll just meditate on it. And I'll try to be like Mary, the mother of Jesus, who pondered the word of the Lord in her heart. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. There's something from your word that I need to ponder in this moment. And other days, I might just go through my Bible reading plan and read a couple chapters. But then from that, I'll say, God, is there something that you want me to learn from the Scriptures? And I might begin to pray the Scriptures. And I might begin to confess my sin. And it's from this chair that I pray for you. It's from this chair that I regularly pray for you. And it's from this chair that I give thanks to God. And from time to time, I'll take out my journal... And I'll just ask God a question. I might have a difficult meeting coming up that I need his wisdom. And so I'll say, God, what would you do in this situation? Then I'll sit and I'll listen and I'll ponder in silence. I'll give you an example. A few weeks ago, I knew that God loved me, but I was struggling to believe that God likes me. And uh, the Bible says again and again that God loves us, but it helps to know sometimes that God actually likes some things about you. And so I wrote in my journal, God, what do you like about me? And I sat there in silence. And I felt like God whispered a couple things that he's pleased with in me. And so I wrote those down because I don't want to lose them. And that was a holy moment which I do not speak glibly about, It was special and it was rare and I don't expect it to happen all the time and I choose not to get discouraged when it doesn't happen every time but I was reminded in that moment that God delights not only to commune with us but also to converse with us and from time to time to whisper to our soul's deepest needs that we would get through this difficult thing called life. Honesty, a place in time, and a physical place. Would you allow me to just pray that for you? Father, I'm very grateful for this church. I'm very grateful for every person in here. And I know, Lord, that each of us came into this room with all kinds of hurts and hang-ups. And we were hoping for something more than just a little talk. We we're hoping to meet with the living God. So I pray, God, that you might meet with my friends here in this room right now. You Let them know that you see them as they are and still you love perhaps there's someone in this room today that doesn't know that they would be accepted by God and you would whisper to them I stand at the door of your soul and I knock if you open up the door I'll dwell with you by the Holy Spirit and forgive you forevermore others of us haven't been honest with you for a long time we got stuff going on in our lives and we've we have not admitted it to the God who knows all maybe right now you'd admit it to him others of us have lived a Christian life without discipline and we need to make a commitment today that I need a space to meet with God I need a time to meet with God do you need that today say that to the Lord just tell him that then you make an intention you schedule it in you ask God would you give me the daily discipline to come to you and trust that you will meet me there and when I'm unmoved spiritually that's okay i learned more of your scriptures and I got some time to be still and know that you are God and I thank you, God, that you give us grace when we miss the mark. You give us grace when we fail to make time. But, but we want time. We want to make the time. Because this is eternal life. To know the only God, our Father. And to personally know Jesus Christ, whom he sent. And so we say to you, God, Speak to your church. We're mere servants, but we'll listen to your voice.